0: Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thanks so much for spending a bit of your time with me today. I'll tell you what, it has been a very long time since we've done any kind of book club episode. I feel like it's been at least six months, maybe longer. But if you have been around for a while, you know I love, love to read. And maybe this is something that I'll do once a month or every other month or something like that because there's so many great lessons that I've taken away from so many books and I would just love to share more of them with you. So this one we're gonna consider like a mini book club episode. And the reason for that is I could talk to you for five hours and not cover everything that I took away from this book. And before I tell you what the book is, let me tell you like how it got on my radar. Somebody in the Primal Potential Masters Club posted a video and in this short video, this book was mentioned and I was really intrigued by the title. So I ordered it, dove into it, finished it in about a day and a half, loved it so much that I made it the book of the month for the Masters Club, we usually read a book together, the majority of the months, but not all months. And so this was our September book in the Master's Club. And at the end of the month, we had a webinar where I shared my biggest takeaways, folks in the Master's Club shared their biggest takeaways, and and more importantly, what we're doing to apply the concepts. And I just could not resist sharing some of this with you. So the book is called The Book of Beautiful Questions by Warren Berger, and I will link that in the show notes. The Book of Beautiful Questions by Warren Berger. And if you've read Chasing Cupcakes, you know that I think questions are one of the most powerful tools we can use to create change in our lives. I have, I don't know, 270-some-odd questions in Chasing Cupcakes to help you as you make decisions, as you think things through, as you look back on where you feel proud and where you don't feel proud questions to just move you forward. So when I heard that title, the book of beautiful questions, I was like, okay, either this is going to be incredible, or I'm going to be really disappointed. And I thought it was a very good book, probably not in my top 10. Don't ask me what my top 10 are. I don't really have one. But I, I, I wouldn't put this this high. Um, some of my master's club members said that it's kind of tough to to get through. I didn't feel that way. I loved it, but I'm also obsessed with questions. But I felt like there were so many good questions for me to add to the way I think about work, to the way I think about my health, to the way I think about relationships, to the way I think about communicating with anybody. And I just loved it. In fact, the author refers to himself as a questionologist. And I was like, I want to steal that. I want to be a questionologist. Like, that's what I want to be. Because like I said, questions are an incredible tool. But we've got to know when to ask them, what questions to ask, how we process the answers. Because a lot of times we rush. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But let's just dive right in. Again, I'll link to the book. It's called The Book of Beautiful Questions by Warren Berger. I do recommend it, especially to anybody who wants to become a better thinker but also to anybody who wants to improve their relationships. And I don't know anybody who's like, no, I don't want to improve my relationships. They're fine. Uh, So anyway, when he starts the book, he talks about how questions are really the starting point of innovation. And while that might just, okay, sure, we agree, it might just kind of seem obvious. I want to break that down a little bit because... One of the barriers to creating change is that we think the way we've always thought, right? This was so true for me, and I still notice this tendency. The first thought is the most common, the most practiced thought. And if we continue going through the day saying, I'm just too tired, this one thing won't hurt, I don't really care, it doesn't matter anyway, it's never going to work, if we keep thinking the same way, we will keep making the same choices, we'll keep getting the same results, and it's this... The fact that we don't innovate our thinking, the opposite of not innovating your thinking or the opposite of innovating your thinking is thinking the same way every day. And it is this that keeps us stuck, not because we don't have a good enough plan, not because we don't have willpower or we're not disciplined, because we're thinking the same way. And then when we talk about, hey, we've got to think differently, so many times people are like, all right, but how? How? Because the same old thoughts, the same old excuses, the same stories, doubts, delays, insecurities, exceptions keep popping into my mind. I know. Questions are the tool. They are the starting point of innovation. And one of the beautiful things about questions is that they help us slow down our thinking. They help us slow down our thinking. And there's an entire... I mean, if you, if you follow the work of Daniel Kahneman, another author, who's a really great author, and he's mentioned a few times in this book, he talks about thinking fast versus thinking slow, right? And so many times, the old way we've always thought, I'm too tired, it's been a stressful day, and that leading us down the path to the patterns of behavior we don't want to continue, but we've struggled with for five years, 10 years, 20 years... We're thinking really fast. We're not really challenging the way we think. We're certainly not innovating our thinking. Innovating is like, well, what else might be true? How can I see this totally differently? And we've got to slow down our thinking. Questions are how we do that. I hear a lot from people that their decision-making process seems to go really fast. You know, I'm not really second-guessing it. I'm not really slowing down. I'm not really evaluating other alternatives until it's already done, right? It's not until after the fact that I'm like, wait, that was crap. That was, that was baloney. That wasn't even me being honest. I was making an excuse. I was telling a story. And it's because you're thinking really fast. You're making the decision really fast. You're sprinting to that choice. And then when we talk about slow thinking, so many times we're like, well, I can't slow down. I don't know how to slow down. And I'm telling you right now that the tool we use to slow down is questions. The tool we use to think differently instead of thinking in the same way that gets the same results is questions. One of the other beautiful things about questions is that they help us to see past where we are, where we're biased, where we have some fear, where we have some in- insecurity, where we are prone to an emotional reaction. Questions allow us to slow down and say, well, if that's the way I've always thought about it before, how could I think about it differently this time? If this is what I've told myself is true for the last five years, what else is true? All of these things come from questions. Questions open us up to new possibilities, to new ideas, to new potential. And if we don't do this work, if we don't build this as a pattern and a habit, what happens is we just think the way we've always thought, then we get what we've always got. One of the descriptions that I love in the book is that the author compares asking questions to like shining a flashlight in a dark room right? The dark room is our initial thought, our impulse, our pattern, the way we've seen it before. That's the dark room. But there's so much more to see. There's so many new perspectives to consider. And as we ask questions, it's like shining a little bit more light in that room. And then we add in another question and there's a little bit more light in that room. And instead of just going with the familiar piece of the truth that is certainly not the whole truth, when we ask questions, we start to see the full story instead of just our bias or our pattern. There's a, there's a question in the book that it's, it's right at the very beginning that says, am I thinking like a soldier or am I thinking like a scout?" And if you're taking notes, this is a good one to write down. Am I thinking like a soldier or am I thinking like a scout? A soldier's job is to protect and defend. A scout, a scout's job is to seek out new information, to understand, to gather new data. Now, this is obviously super powerful in your own mind. Am I trying to defend the decision to have the cupcake tonight? Because I've been so good, because I'm really tired, because I don't really care, because this one thing is not going to make a difference, right? That is thinking like a soldier, defending the thing that I want, protecting the urge and the impulse. A scout is like, okay, but, but what have I not considered here? What else is true here? Somebody in uh, my 12 Weeks to Transformation veterans group posted this morning, and I don't have it in front of me, so I might, I might paraphrase a little bit. But basically, she was like, did I want to work out this morning? No. But did I want the feeling of having worked out? Yes. So I went and worked out. That is like a great demonstration of thinking like a soldier versus thinking like a scout. So a soldier is like, I don't want to work out. I don't have time. Let me prove to myself all the reasons that I don't have time. Or let me reinforce all the reasons that I don't feel like it, right? All the things that I'm gonna pledge to do tomorrow. That is defending the initial position. But a scout is like, but I do want that feeling of being proud of myself because I did. And it's not either I go to the gym and work out or I don't. There's a million options in between. I could do something at home. I could go for a walk. What, do, what would I love to do in terms of moving and using my body today? Am I thinking like a soldier or am I thinking like a scout? There's an entire part of the book that I think is very important to those of you who maybe haven't gotten fully on board with asking yourself questions regularly to upgrade the way you're thinking. And it goes into like, so why don't we ask questions? Why are we reluctant? One of the primary things that I hear from the clients that I work with is, but I don't know, I'm not sure, I don't know where to go from here. And what is present in all of those messages and all of those conversations is frustration with not knowing. And that's why a lot of people don't ask questions, because when they ask a question and they don't initially know with certainty what the, quote, right answer is, they're frustrated. That comes from our traditional schooling model. And if you've ever worked with me, you've heard me say this a million times, there's nothing wrong with not knowing. Remember, questioning is the starting point of innovation. That's where all your new possibilities lie. It is our schooling model that taught us that knowing is right and not knowing is not right, that knowing is good and not knowing is bad, that we should be embarrassed to not know, that we should be ashamed to not know, that we don't want other people to know that we don't know. But for me personally, I'm always super skeptical of somebody who thinks they know everything. And and I'm sure you've heard people say this before and, quotes and cliches. The older I get, the more I know I don't know. And it's very, very true. I love not knowing because what that tells me is... I'm on the verge of learning something new. I'm on the verge of exploring something that I haven't explored before. So if you are somebody who asks the question and you're like, well, I don't know, or I'm not sure what the right answer is supposed to be here, I want you to change your perspective on not knowing. What that means is you are standing at a threshold. And when you open that door, you are going to have new possibilities. You are going to seek new potential as opposed to if you are living your life in the comfort zone of, I consider what I know and I get frustrated when I don't know, you are keeping your world very, very small. You're keeping your options very, very small. You're keeping your potential very, very small. I think another reason that people don't ask questions is because they don't want to slow down. They want the fast answer. They want to whiz right along. But in doing so, it's just sameness. It's the same thinking. It's the same answers. It's the same way of seeing things. It's the same perspectives. Yeah, it takes a little bit longer, whether measured in seconds or measured in months, to explore new things, to ask yourself questions, to ask other people other questions. But Again, it's the only thing that opens the door to innovation, to newness, to new thinking, to new choosing, to new results, to new goals, to new levels. Right? There's also this fear of being wrong. But avoiding that means we don't learn. If you just understand that, you know, you're probably wrong in most things and maybe not outright wrong, but at least incomplete in your understanding, you're going to be way more open to asking questions. Now, I don't think that like what I know about relationships right now is wrong, but I do believe that it's entirely incomplete because there are so many additional levels that I have not yet explored. And that mindset means that questions don't frustrate me. They excite me because they're taking me to new levels and new considerations. Berger says in the book that the right questions are propulsive. They move us forward. And I don't know about you, but I really don't want to stay in the same place. I don't want to stay in the same place in my thinking, in my relationships, in my finances, in my business, in my self care. And if we keep thinking the way we've always thought, we're going to keep getting what we've always got. There's a statement in the book that. I talk about a lot with my clients and it tends to bring up a lot of questions, but how, but how, but how? Good decision-making is tied to our ability to anticipate future emotional states. I'm going to say that again. I really, really want you to hear this because it's very important as a practice, as a skill set. Good decision-making is tied to our ability to anticipate future emotional states. So, let's use a really really simple example that I mentioned a couple minutes ago of like I don't want to work out. Good decision making there is tied to your ability to anticipate a future emotional state. I know that after I work out, I am in a better mood. I have more energy, I'm more open-minded, I worry less, I'm generally happier, I sleep better, but in that moment of making the decision, Do I work out or do I not work out? If I'm not anticipating the future emotional state, the flip side of which is, if I go a few days without working out, I don't feel as good in my body. I don't feel as focused. I don't feel as happy and positive. I don't feel as confident, right? But good decision-making is tied to our ability to anticipate those future emotional states. Now, I said it begs a lot of questions when I bring this up to my clients, but how? But how? It seems like I'm moving so quickly that I don't really think about it. Questions help slow you down. Just a very simple question. Okay, considering my options here, how would I feel about each one tomorrow? Chances are you've got enough history to know that. I've shared this a million times before, but I have enough experience knowing how I feel emotionally after overeating to know that I hate feeling that way. Similarly, I love the way I feel when I've been really consistent in taking care of myself. My mood is better. My body feels better. I'm more clear-headed. Relationships feel easier. I feel more confident. But if we're not considering those future emotional states when we make decisions, then it's just like cupcake or no cupcake. Well, heck, cupcake is absolutely better than no cupcake. But it's the future emotional state that we've got to consider. How do we do that? We slow down our thinking. How do we do that? We ask questions. We develop a habit of asking ourselves questions. And a little like a rule of thumb for this, if you find yourself worrying or complaining or focusing on a problem, instead of continuing to worry or complain or focus on the problem, ask yourself questions that are focused around the solution. What could I do here to make a difference? What pieces of this are in my control? Is there something that I can do right now or today to influence the outcome? So when you find yourself complaining worrying, fixating on the problem, instead start asking questions that break down the path to the solution that you want. One of the super powerful questions in this book, I could do an episode on this all by itself, is do you have a willingness to step back from what you think you know? One of my clients said today that they were really doubting their ability to lose weight They have this set belief in their mind that they just can't. For whatever reason, age, hormones, metabolism, decision-making, past failures, that they just can't lose weight. Do you have a willingness to step back from what you think you know? You think you know that you can't lose weight. Are you willing to step back from what you think you know? I said a few minutes ago that I'm always really skeptical of people who feel like they know anything right? That they've got it figured out, that they have the final answer, that they don't need to learn anything more about this. And honestly, this is true whether we're talking about politics or religion or nutrition or fitness or money or business or anything else. A huge growth strategy is the willingness to step back from what you think you know. I did this the other day with my husband, right? It's easy in a relationship to be like, I have this person totally figured out. I just, I know how they think. I know how they act. I know how they make decisions. I know what they're thinking when I say this. Do you have a willingness to step back from what you think you know about that person from the assumptions that you've made or the conclusions that you've drawn or the fact that you are limiting who they are to who they've been? Do you have a willingness to step back from what you think you know about yourself from what you think you know about discipline from what you think you know about fitness? Do you have a willingness to step back from what you think you know about politics and really look at where you're wrong instead of looking at where everybody else is wrong? That right there would change the world right now. What if you could open up to a wider view? What if you could open up to a wider view? I'll tell you guys a story, and I I think I told this story for those of you that um, get my daily mindset upgrades, which, by the way, right now... You can get them for a full month for one dollar. And after that, it's only $9.99 a month. I mean, crazy. Anyway, I think I sent this out a few weeks back uh, in a daily mindset upgrade. But this this question here, what if I could open up to a wider view? makes me think about this. So a few weeks ago, I was sitting in my office doing some work, and Chris, my husband, was about to go out of town for five days. And before he left, he had to finish emptying out the upstairs because our construction was starting on the upstairs a few days later. So he's got a couple of friends over and the big thing to be emptied out was Dagny's nursery, our daughter's nursery. And for those of you who haven't, uh, who are newer to the show, our, our daughter unexpectedly passed away in March of this year. So I'm sitting in my office and I'm watching them carry out you know, disassembled parts of her crib, her dresser, her stroller, her, you know, bouncy seat, her car seats, all of this stuff. And it's like tearing my heart out. And I'm, I'm sitting here like trying to work, but honestly, just, just crying. And about five minutes later, Chris walks into the office and he looks shocked at my tears and he's like alarmed. And he says, what's the matter?" and my first instinct was like are you absolutely kidding me? Like you you don't know why i'm upset? You're, you're carrying our daughter's stuff who passed away, you know, 6 7 months ago at the time. <laughs> like really? And and i think i even said something along along those lines. I just like you you don't get it. And I was preparing for this this webinar I was doing at the Masters Club on these questions. And so in that moment, I was like, well, what if I could open up to a wider view here? You know, because my initial view was WTF. Seriously? Like, what's wrong with you? Is it is it not obvious? Um, and then when I asked that question, what if I could open up to a wider view? The first question that came into my mind was, what are the really profound benefits to us grieving differently and us thinking differently. Because the fact is, as much as it can be frustrating that we think differently and that we grieve differently, there are tremendous benefits to the fact that we think differently and we grieve differently. And in that moment, by opening up to a wider view, I'm thinking to myself, it actually serves us in this way and this way and this way. And, you know, I'm sitting here in front of my laptop, so he doesn't know that I've been watching them. He has no idea. In that moment, it avoided an argument. And it's just an incredible practice because I believe that I get a little bit better. I get a little bit wiser. I get a little bit uh, more skilled in relationships and communication and thought, every time I, I do that work, I ask that question, what if I could open this up to a wider view? Same thing, we had some, some changes inside of primal potential. And my first thought was, well, this timing sucks. And then I asked myself that question, like, what if I could open this up to a wider view? You know, maybe this is an opportunity to to restructure and to get really clear on like, what would be the ideal? If I had a magic wand, how would I do this? And then, hey, this has just given me the opportunity. It's now easier to make these changes than it would have been if this thing that was just frustrating me hadn't happened. What if we could open up to a wider view? If you're taking notes, this is another another question to definitely write down. If none of these current options were available, what would I do? If none of these current options were available, what would I do? And the reason I love this question is because for many of us, we just lock into our first most obvious possibilities. You know, I could do this or I could do this. If I want to get out of debt, then I've either got to, you know, spend less or I've got to save more. Well, if neither of those options were available, what would I do? Or, you know, if it comes down to um, working out or not working out well, if neither of those options were available, what would I do? Or even if it's, I can snap at my husband for doing this thing, or I can just keep my mouth shut and not say anything at all. If those two options didn't exist, what would I do? And this gives us practice in innovating, in thinking differently, in getting creative. That's part of change. Because again, guys, what this all ties back to is the fact that if we keep thinking in the same ways, we will keep giving into the same excuses. We will keep making the same decisions over and over and over. A few more questions that I really, really loved. And then I want to hone in on a couple of things that, that this book taught me about relationships How might things change if I were able to overcome this fear? How might things change if I were able to overcome this fear? And know that you can substitute the word fear for insecurity. How might things change if I were able to overcome this insecurity? How might things change if I were able to overcome this doubt? How might things change if I were able to overcome this anger? How might things change if I were able to overcome uh, this anything? This jealousy? This disappointment? This fixation on the problem? When we ask these questions, we open up new doors to possibility. We create new neural networks in our brains. How might things change if I were able to overcome this disappointment, this fear, this insecurity, this anger, this jealousy, this shame, this regret, this heartbreak? How might things change if I were able to overcome this whatever you are struggling with? I love this next question so much. Oh my goodness. I use this so darn often. If I did fail, what would be the likely causes? So oftentimes when people start to work with me, they have a fear of failure. What if I don't do the work? What if I totally disengage? Okay, if you did fail, what would be the likely causes? And then we have to be as specific as possible with the answers, not just, I didn't make the time. No. How can you be super, super specific in your answer? If I did fail, what would be the likely causes? Then when you have that information, you can ask yourself, what can I do about this today? We are in a big season of transition in primal potential. You guys know that this fall is our last 12 weeks to transformation ever. That program that is incredibly effective and incredibly popular is going away. And as we build new things, it's easy to run into thoughts of doubt, thoughts of fear, thoughts of scarcity. And when I ask myself, okay, if this new project did fail, what would be the likely causes? Then we can create a plan for those things, you know, maybe we, we didn't manage our time well enough. We weren't realistic about everything that we needed to get done. Okay, given that, let's get super specific. What are all of the things that we need to do between now and the end of December? And then we can work backwards. If we want to have this done by this date, then we need to have this done by this date, and we get it all done on paper. And keep asking those questions. Okay, well, if we did fail, what might be another reason? We didn't have a a marketing plan in place. Okay, so let's build a marketing plan that we're really excited about. When this week are we going to do that? If I did fail, what would be the likely causes? And that points you to what you can do about it this week. There's a lot of really great personal development. I mean, I consider these all personal development questions, but one of them that's a little bit more narrow is, what do you wish you did more of today today? What do you wish you did more of today? I also think this is a great question for connecting with other people, asking your spouse, asking your kids, asking your friends, what a great way to get to know them better and what they love and what they enjoy and how you can help them. But in terms of ourselves, What do you wish you did more of today? There's so many people who feel like their lives aren't super fulfilled, like they're kind of going through the motions and every day is Groundhog Day and between work and taking care of the house and getting things done, there's not a whole lot of fulfillment there. But when you ask this question, what do you wish you did more of today, you give yourself an opportunity to, to create a change in a small way, I wish I had spent more time outside. Well, maybe that means that today I'm going to eat my lunch outside, or maybe it means I'm going to block two hours on Saturday morning and we're going to go apple picking, right? What do you wish you did more of today? Another great one, if you're taking notes, what idea do you keep coming back to? What idea do you keep coming back to? For me, for years, it was losing weight and getting healthy. Well, if you keep coming back to it, it's obviously very important to you. So what do you need to do differently? What do you need to shift? What are the things that have kind of kept you from making progress there before? And what are you able and willing to do differently today? If you keep coming back to the idea that you want to start a business, what is a step that you are going to take this week that you have not yet taken? What is one thing that you could do today to make it more realistic? I love that question. What idea do you keep coming back to? The last thing that I want to talk about, and again, I could talk about this book, uh, The Book of Beautiful Questions by Warren Berger. I could talk about it for, for days. But when it comes to relationships, relationships with loved ones, relationships with colleagues, of course, relationship with ourselves, but I have been thinking about this more in terms of other people The book says that our success in connecting with others can be improved dramatically by asking more questions. Our success in connecting with others can be improved dramatically by asking more questions. I think a lot of folks kind of put themselves at the center of the story in relationships. And it's about, you know, what we want to get from the relationship and what we're not getting from the relationship and what we wish somebody else would do for us, because of us, uh, with us in mind. And it, it kind of closes the door a little bit, but If we really want to improve our relationships, what we need to do is improve our connection. And one of the ways we can do that is by asking more questions, kind of removing ourselves from the center of the story, asking more questions. But there's a caveat here. And in the book, there's a quote from Krista Tippett that says, it's hard to transcend a combative question, but it's hard to resist a generous one. It's hard to transcend a combative question, But it's hard to resist a generous one. So when I was doing this webinar with my master's club, uh, one of the amazing women in the master's club shared that um, years ago, she noticed that she was being very critical of herself. And whether it was like, I didn't get enough done today or anything along those lines, instead of criticism, she would ask herself, what is it that you need right now? you know, whether she needed rest or she needed to connect with somebody or she just needed to take a quick break or she needed, you know, whatever, caffeine. And then she realized that she doesn't ask those questions to her spouse or to her kids. And so she said that she's been been using that as a question with them. What is it that you need right now? That's a generous question. What's wrong with you is a combative question right? Even if the desire is the same to kind of figure out what's going on with the person, it is hard to transcend a combative question. What is wrong with you? But it's hard to resist a generous question. What do you need right now? What can I do for you? What would make your day better? And I think that's so important when we talk about questions to realize that some questions are combative. And some questions are generous, and it's hard to transcend a combative question. It's hard to get anywhere with a combative question. I'm thinking about just even the, the smallest combative questions like, seriously, you, you couldn't have done the dishes before you went downstairs to watch that movie? Really? That's a combative question. Alternatively, saying, hey, do you want to pick up the, the kitchen together before I go upstairs? That's a much more generous question. It's hard to transcend a combative question, but it's hard to resist a generous one. The book says, and I think this is a great way to end, especially in the, the climate of the world right now questions unite us. It's our certainty of our answers that divides us. If we seek to understand ourselves, our options, other people, their motives, We will connect, but when we're so sure that we're right, when we're so sure that we're limited, when we're so sure that somebody else is wrong, that is what divides us. And we can dramatically improve our connection with ourselves and with other people when we ask more questions, but specifically when we ask generous questions. Generous questions. So I feel like this is an episode that I'm gonna listen to a number of times. I'd love to know what you thought of it. I'm gonna link to that book, The Book of Beautiful Questions, in the show notes. And I hope you have an amazing day filled with very generous questions. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn, our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform.